comes to us from the 13th chapter of Matthew, verses 24 through 30 and 36 through 43. Hear these words of the scripture. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat, and they went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, the the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples approached him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers, and they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Let everyone who has ears listen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Louise Kehoe, a lifestyle writer for the Chicago Tribune, once wrote an article that said, Gardening should be reclassified in the great library of human endeavors. It does not belong under hobbies. The essence of a hobby is its lightness of purpose, its lack of seriousness, and gardening is neither light nor inconsequential. Gardening has no place under pursuits or pastimes either. These imply a flirtatiousness and a dilantinism which malign and misrepresent the dedicated monogamy practiced by those who garden. Gardening should be filed under religion. When I was growing up in Colorado, our family had a garden nearly every year. I remember working the soil to plant pumpkins and tomatoes. I remember working along the rows of corn and carrots to pull weeds and thin plants. I remember cutting lettuce, shelling peas, and snapping beans. And I also remember loving every minute of it and getting the fresh produce to boot. So when my husband and I bought our first house after several years of renting, I determined that we had the perfect spot for a garden, and I set off to recreate the garden of my childhood. 
In doing so, I discovered several things. I discovered that the ideal spot needed a lot of work before, before it was ready to accept the seeds I had accumulated. I discovered that rototilling, turning soil, and removing rocks and roots are really hard work. I discovered that my back and knees ached after spending time on the ground to make gentle half-inch furrows or dig six-inch deep holes in which to place the seedlings. I discovered that the water that was necessary to make the vegetables grow also turned this bare patch of dirt into the most beautiful piece of lush green lawn you could ever hope for. I discovered that weeding is next to impossible when you're the working mother of a toddler. I discovered that the bright southeast New Mexico sun is really hot. And most of all, I discovered that I really hate gardening. It's not anywhere close to what I could call my religion. I still much prefer the fresh vegetables that are lovingly grown in local backyards. But I choose to rely on the generosity of others, or on the local farmer's market, or in most cases, whatever Albertsons has on hand that day. To me, the value of a homegrown whatever it is, is not worth the cost of trying to prevent my newly growing grass from taking over my emerging green chili. In today's scripture lesson, we read about someone who sounds like a crazy gardener. After all, every gardener, even those like me who hate it, know that if you leave, leave the weeds, they will steal the water and nutrients from the soil and will eventually choke out the desired crop. However, what Jesus is really telling us about here is a gardener who is really the master of his craft. The gardener, or really more of a farmer, planted the best seed he could find in hopes of a bumper crop of wheat. For whatever reason, when the master farmer and all of his household went to sleep that night, someone sneaked into his field and planted weeds alongside the freshly planted wheat. So the wheat and the weeds grew up together. The farmer's slaves noticed the weeds and asked if they should go and gather them in. And they heard the farmer say, wait. It was an astute move on the farmer's part. You see, what we're not told in this version of the scripture is that the Greek word that Matthew used for this weed was zizania. Zizania is a plant that belongs to the genus of wild grasses. And in this particular instance, the species of zizania was a poisonous weed called darnel, which grows abundantly in Israel. The similarity between wheat and darnel is great enough that the darnel is often referred to as false wheat. It's incredibly hard to tell them apart until the plants are mature and the grain ears appear. The ears on the darnel plant are light and slender and stand up straight like this whereas the ears of wheat are heavy and they bow over. It was not until the crops were ready for harvest that the distinction between these two species could be seen. The crazy gardener was in reality an astute farmer because he realized that one could not make the determination about what was the good and desired plant 
and which one was the noxious and unwanted weed, until the plants had matured and the harvest was at hand. Therefore he told his slaves, who were just itching to get out and weave his field, to let them grow side by side, because the tangled and intertwined roots would lead them to pull the wheat as they were gathering the weeds. The master knew that the correct thing to do was to wait until the time was right before gathering the weeds and throwing them into the fire. This passage is one of the rare times when Jesus actually takes the time to explain the meaning of one of his parables. Matthew tells us that Jesus said, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers, and they will be thrown into the furnace of fire. Brothers and sisters, I contend this is a fitting allegory for the world today. Think about it for a minute. If asked, I'm sure we could all come up with good traits and bad traits. And if pressed, we could even name people to whom these traits apply. We like to think that we can point out the good weed, or the good wheat, and the noxious weed. We know the person who teaches Sunday school, the one who raises good and respectful children, and the one who would give you the shirt off your back, off their back, if you just asked for it. We can at least point to someone who we think is bad or evil. There's the one we heard about that beat his, his daughter so badly that she is permanently disabled. There are the Al-Qaeda leaders behind the 9-11 and other terrorist attacks. And there is even the suspected Ukrainian separatist who fired the missile that brought down the Malaysian airliner on Thursday. We've probably also encountered the slave who is eager to cull the weeds from the field. You know the type, the ones I call the holier-than-thou Christians, who can find the smallest fault with another person and turn it into the you're-not-good-enough-to-go-to-heaven speech. Or the, tele- or the evangelist who stands on the street corner with a microphone and a sound system screaming, repent, as the cars drive by. I have no doubt their intentions are good. They are so into their religion that they want to be the master gardener for the kingdom of God on earth. And really, is there anything wrong with their intentions? If given the chance, I'm sure we all want to rid the world of evil. We are, after all, really good at determining what the Bible says and deciding what is good and what is not. Or are we? Isn't one of the problems with sin that it usually looks pretty darn good? So close to what is right that it clouds our vision and makes it difficult to make the right decision? Sometimes it even looks so close that we are way down the wrong path before we even know we made the wrong decision in the first place. It makes us realize that good and bad exist simultaneously in the world. And more so, it makes us realize that good and bad exist simultaneously within each one of us. It exists in our hearts. 
We cannot rid the world of evil any more than we can cut out our own heart. The good news is that we don't have to. Matthew's parable tells us that the culling of the fields, the separation of the good wheat from the bad weeds, is God's job. It doesn't belong to us. Our untrained eyes, the eyes that see with the understanding of human beings, cannot tell the difference between the nourishing wheat people and the toxic Darnell people. Only eyes that see with divine understanding are capable of making that distinction. If we take on the, t- on the job of trying to root out the weeds, we will only do irreparable harm to the heavenly crop. Instead, our job is to be good in the world to the best of our ability, at the same time knowing that we are not perfect and that bad will creep in. Our job is to listen when we hear wait and to trust in Jesus. He knows our internal struggles. He looks at all of us with divine eyes that see into our very core. Jesus sees the good and the bad, and he lets them grow together. He knows we are feeble beings, but Jesus loves each of us and has offered us his grace. It's a gift, free for the taking. We don't have to wait until the bad side of us is banished or until the good side emerges. We only have to say, yes, Lord, and accept that which is being given. And when the time is right, Jesus will send his grace-filled angels to make the green chilies emerge from the choking grass. The angels will separate the weed and the wheat and collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin to be thrown into the fires of hell. Then we will be able to shine like the sun in the kingdom of our Father. Then, and only then, will we achieve the perfect goodness that we strive for. The master gardener has extended the gift of his grace equally to all of us. Will you leave it on the table, thus allowing the Darnell to become your crop? Or will you open the box and allow Jesus to turn your weeds into the bowing heads of healthy and nourishing wheat? The choice is yours to make. I pray that you choose well. Amen and amen.